Well, we have been in a series called The Good, The Bad, and The Body. And over the last several weeks, we've kind of looked at all different aspects of how our body impacts us as beings, our, us spiritually, us emotionally. In the last two weeks, we talked, you know, two weeks ago we talked about suffering. And then last week, Matt talked about um, finding hope in an aging body and being able to navigate the emotions that come with our bodies aging. And this week, I am going to be talking about this idea of telling a mending story. Now, I want us to recognize that it's not telling a mended story because that would, that would imply that the story is over, that, that the journey is done. But see, this is us telling a mending story, which means it's a story that is still happening. It's a story that is still in progress. And in this, we find hurt and pain and healing all at the same time, which can be really confusing, <laughs> how to juggle both or all of those feelings. Like, have you ever been in a space where, like, you feel, like, so much grief, but at the same time, joy? And the same thing happens when we're, our story is mending, when God is healing us. And sometimes it is an emotional healing, but when it is a physical healing, there is, there is hurt, there is pain that comes in that. And today we're going to look at chapter Acts, I mean, book of Acts, chapter 16, and we're going to look at this interaction between Silas and Paul, and we're going to we're going to look at how in the midst of their pain, they chose to give God praise. But before we jump into all of that, will you guys pray with me? Holy Spirit, Father, we just... We thank you for the fact that our story isn't over the fact that you are still healing and mending us. It is a story that is ongoing. God, we just pray for this morning. We ask your blessing over this morning. May my words fade away and yours echo. God, we give you just every ounce of who we are. We are listening. Anyway, pray. Amen. So I'm going to read this whole text from in chapter 16, starting at verse 16 to 34, because it sets the scene and it kind of just tells us where we're going. So if you have a Bible or a device, you can flip to it. There's, it will also be on the screen. Um, as we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of deviation and brought her owners much gain for fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. 
and it became out of her that very hour. And when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in prison, ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everybody's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for, called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And when they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them to the, that same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his, all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So we have this interaction of Paul and Silas. They're going through a town, and, and there's this slave girl that they heal, right? And so they get in trouble because they've now taken away finances from, um, from their, her owners, and so they are beaten, and they are dragged, and in some texts it says they are flogged, so they are, they are thrown into prison with wounds, right? And it's not like they, they like dress their wounds before they put them in prison. Like, no, they just put them in prison, probably bloody and dirty. And I don't even know if they had clothes <laughs> at that point, because they had been stripped of everything. And so that's where we meet Paul and Silas in this interaction. They are broken. They are bloody. They are probably in pain. I've personally never been flogged, but I could imagine that it would be very painful and that the pain would last past just the moment. And so if we think about our bodies, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a visual person, so sometimes when I read these texts, it takes, it actually helps as hard as it is to kind of allow my body to maybe even feel a little bit of what Paul and Silas might have been feeling. That pain, that uncomfortable, like how would you sit? How would you, you couldn't lay back because your back is hurting. Could you lay on your, like how would you be? Your feet are bound so it's not you're moving around. So they're sitting or standing or lying or trying to find a way to be in the innermost part of this prison. And it's not like it was a cushy prison, right? It wasn't clean. It was dirty and it was gross. And they're thrown in there. And in the midst of their pain and their suffering and the hurt that their physical bodies were feeling, 
they chose to give God prayer and praise. Now, before I go any further, I, this is not a guilt trip. Okay, this isn't like a, if I'm in pain and I'm suffering, then I should be. No. No, that's not what this is. This is a, how could we learn from Paul and Silas and how I imagine they asked God to give them the strength to see his goodness. It's really hard to do that on your own, and I imagine it was for them too. But in this passage, we're going to look specifically at verses 24 through 26, and I'm going to read them again. And as, we, as I read them, just let it sink. Having received this order, he put them in the innermost prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. The first thing that like, sticks out to me when I'm reading this passage is the fact that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, Yes, but that the prisoners, the other prisoners, were listening. They weren't just praising God for themselves, but they were praising God and praying to God for those around them. And then this earthquake happens, and, and their, their shackles are, are unmoved, and I've never been in prison, but as a prisoner, I can imagine that would be a pretty epic moment. Like the door, like everything to just come off and the doors to open. I would want to run out, right? Like break free. They didn't. And again, it wasn't just Paul and Silas's doors and shackles that were broken. It says everybody's bonds, everybody's chains were unfastened. All of their doors were opened. I wonder what Paul and Silas were thinking as they were in this situation. When we talk about telling a mending story, like I said before, a mending story is one that is still going. And so as Paul and Silas were in this situation, in this part of their story, they had every reason to just throw in the towel or just lay there. They had every reason to stop fighting or to stop seeing the goodness of God, or to stop giving praise to God. But they didn't, and I think there's significance in the fact that they were praying and singing, because I imagine the praying was impacting the singing. Have you ever had a moment where you're crying out to God, and then praise follows? 
Because in that cry, you're reminded of the fact that even in your grief, in your suffering, in your pain, God is good. He is faithful. He is there. And it is out of that space that we praise and we sing Jehovah Jireh, Emmanuel. It is the hymns that are birthed in us when we are crying out to God in our brokenness, praying for healing, praying to see where God is, to see his goodness. Have you ever had a moment like this? Can you think of a moment where you gave God praise in the midst of your pain and that that healing that happened. And if you can't, that's okay. Could you, could you give that to God and ask him? It's hard for me to fathom to think of praising God in, in the middle of pain and suffering, as you're, especially if, as your physical body is not allowing you to, like, produce or move or function or even be able to support you every day. When we have emotional pain, that's, that's real, and that's something that we tend to sit on, right? We sit a lot on the emotional pain, but I just for a second want to sit in the physical pain that our bodies might experience. I imagine at some point or another, we've all experienced some level of physical pain. Or maybe it's not necessarily pain, maybe it's illness. Maybe it's a disease that you live with. It's a lot harder to sit and allow God to heal that part of our mending story. Not discounting the emotional healing that happens. That's a journey too, right? But physical embodying of allowing God to come into your physical being and see his goodness in the midst of physical pain. That's really hard. It's a lot easier to see God once you're through it, right? Like once you're at the other end, you're like, oh yeah, I see where God was. Like, oh, I can see how he was like, keeping my body here and and here and here, but to take a second to actually see him then and there. That's what Paul and Silas were doing. They were taking time in their present to see where God was healing this part of their journey. Where is God healing your part in your journey right now? Sometimes it's opening doors, right? For those of you that don't know, I have a couple of health stuff. We won't go into all of it. But I, the, my biggest one is I have celiac disease, and so I have that just kind of comes with a bunch of other food stuff. And for a lot of my life, I lived in a lot of pain. 
for like most of my high school career, doctors didn't know what was going on. I was in and out of doctor's offices. I was in and out of a lot of different things. And there were times I remember like just wanting to like literally like split my like head open to like alleviate what my brain, like the pressure and the pain that my brain was in. And as I was preparing the sermon, I thought about that moment and I'm like, there was no way <laughs> that I was giving God praise. <laughs> Absolutely. And to be honest, for most, I mean, it's been 15 years of, since I, my body got sick. And, or since, yeah, since my body got sick. And so, for 15 years, I've had this door closed. You guys ever seen Friends? It's like that door in Monica's apartment you just don't open. If you haven't seen Friends, you should watch it. It's great. <laughs> but there's this door, and when, when her husband Chandler gets into it, it's like, and Monica's a neat freak, it's just a junk closet. Like, it's just got a bunch of clutter. Because everybody has that, right? And so for 15 years, that's been my health. I have, like, shoved it. Like, any moment I can, I, like, have shoved it in a closet, kind of locked the key and thrown it away, and then, like, all right, God, like, heal me. Like, let's tell a mending story of my emotional pain, of the stuff that I've experienced, the trauma, all of these different things. Like, I, I want to meet you there. Like, I will, I want to, I want to, I will pray, I will be Paul, I will be Paul and Silas right there. Like, I want to sing, and I want to pray, and I want to, I want to meet you your goodness in the midst of my pain. But don't you dare come near my health. Don't come near my physical body. You see, over the last probably six months, that door is slowly creeping open. And all of the 15 years of, of stuff that I have shoved into that closet it's not even spilling out. It's like piece by piece, it's got being taken out. And as I prepared for the sermon, that moment of my wanting my brain to just like crack open came to my head. And I thought, okay, God, I didn't then, but as I feel that pain, because it's your body remembers the pain that it was in, right? So my body remembers that moment. I can tell you what I was wearing. I can put myself back there. I can I was in a doctor's office. I remember it well. And my, my body physically felt that. And I didn't praise him then, but in that moment, as he said, I'm going to heal this, and though you feel it right now, just look for my goodness. Almost like a dim light of a candle. See, we're in, the, we're in the middle of everything. When we're in the middle of our physical bodies failing us, it's really hard to see God's goodness or to even think about giving him praise. But the beauty of it is we don't have to do it. Like, we don't have to do it on our own strength. What would it look like if we just simply said, God, Show me your goodness. Show me where you are in the midst of this because I don't see it.
part of our healing, part of telling this mending story, part of allowing this story to happen, is we have to look for God. This isn't an easy thing for us to do. It's not something that just comes naturally. And the other thing is, is like when I, I said earlier that the prisoners were also listening to them. They were listening to Paul and Silas. So Paul and Silas weren't quietly praying. They weren't quietly singing to themselves. They were singing and praying loud enough for the prisons to hear. Now they were in the innermost part of the prison. So it's not like they were in general population. They were in solitary right? They were, they were tucked away. They were kept. So they were singing and giving praise so that the prisoners around them could happen. The part of a telling, a mending story, is the telling part. You know, we can talk about healing. We can talk about finding good, God and all of those things, but we tend to, in the American church, we keep everything in. We, like, take it, and we're like, great, thank you, and I will go this way, and I will deposit it, and no one will ever know. And don't get me wrong, there are moments that we have with God that are meant to be that way. They are gifts. They are gifts that God gave you. Keep those. Don't give it all away. But there are times when God is asking us to tell our story, to speak of where his goodness has been in the middle of storms, and we don't because what if someone doesn't want to hear it? Or what if what I thought was a big deal to somebody else, they have way worse. My personal favorite, which is the one I usually claim, is, well, my life could be worse. It's only this. At least it wasn't this. Like, look at this. I have so much to give. I have nothing to complain about. But the reality is, for 15 years, my body hasn't worked properly. I can't remember. I genuinely have more time in my life where my body hasn't functioned than I do when my body did function, and I don't really remember those years. This is what I've known. But it's something that I tend to keep hidden. But part of God healing parts of my story is me being willing to tell them. Paul and Silas were willing to allow people to come in to the space that they were. They sang praises, they prayed, they prayed, and they sang hymns, and the prisoners, they listened. They interceded, and God showed up. Paul and Silas chose to pray. They chose to sing hymns to God in the midst of pain. What would it look like for you to pray and sing to God right now?
And if you don't know, could you just ask? Oftentimes, I think we think we have to, like, have all the answers when we come before God. I know the right words. I know what to sing. <laughs> but sometimes it's just a matter of, like, I don't know where to go, God. Could you just ask for his guidance? As we come to a close today, this example that Paul and Silas gave of choosing to give God praise is not one that is meant, like I said, as a guilt trip. It wasn't they were, they were not commanded to give God praise in that moment. To, give, to pray to him or give him praise. So I really do hope that that is not what you walk away with from today. That you have to go back and you need to redo everything. Because personally for me, like that's how my brain has always operated, right? Like, oh, I have not been doing it right my whole life. Gotta go rewrite the whole plan. Nope. Back up. This is not the Holy Spirit. That is not what I am saying to you. Instead, this is an invitation an invitation for you to allow God to come in to that space in your life and be a part of the mending that is happening. It's an invitation to allow God to show you how good he is when you don't feel it, you don't see it, you can't fathom it. Where can you pray and ask God to come, to be? Be a part of your journey and ask to see and to praise and to give those amens to him. Will you pray with me?